Welcome to Startup to Scale, a podcast by Food Bevy. I'm your host, Jordan Buckner. Join me as I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs, seasoned industry experts, and everyone in between as we unlock the keys to growing from startup to scale. Everyone, Jordan here with the Startup to Scale podcast, and today I have on my guest Ami Bansali, who's the founder of Chai Diaries. Welcome. Hi, Jordan. Thank you for having me. So, tell me a little bit about Chai Diaries and what the product is. Sure, Jordan. So, Chai Diaries is a specialty tea brand, and it basically is to bring you your daily cup of mindfulness without you really leaving your chair. Absolutely it- love that. <laughs> The, I, I told you before, like I'm a huge tea drinker and so I'm always looking for a cup. So I'm excited to try some, um, but tell me how you decided to start the tea company. Absolutely. So my background, actually I'm Indian, if you couldn't already tell from the accent. Um, I grew up in Bombay, which is a very busy city. I pretty much um, compare it to New York and New York was my getaway place, right? For the summer, like it was my dream destination. I was like charged up with the ambition in that city. I love it. And I would call um, New York Bombay on steroids with better looking people, (laughs) my slogan for it. But um, I got an opportunity a lot later in life when I was 27 to finally collect enough money, to be honest to um, go to New York and do a short summer course in business leadership at NYU SCPS. And uh, this is like 10 years into my career in public relations as an entrepreneur. I started out as an entrepreneur early uh, when I was 24 um, in the service business in India. And uh, this opportunity in the US was pretty much at a time where I had gone through a serious burnout. I was in celebrity PR. I was working nights, I was single, so it was fun, but I knew that this was not going to be something I can do forever. And uh, when I did this leadership course, I had a moment uh, because it was right in the city to spend time in Central Park. And I would sit there and I would just see the city, you know, buzz by. And it really made me reminisce about my time in my family's tea gardens, which are in the beautiful Nilgiris, which is, a lot of very, very fantastic teas that are blended are from the Nilgiris region. And life is basically imagine mountains, no Wi-Fi, birds chirping, no people, just an isolated little oasis, right? Obviously, you hate it when you're a teenager, but then when you're like suffering from burnout, that's what you crave. So there in in Central Park, while I was sitting, this feeling just kind of enveloped. Like even right now I get goosebumps when I think about it, right? Because it was just, it's just such a warm feeling. And I was like, how do I capture this feeling on a regular basis? And that's where the idea of Chai Diaries came. Because it was kind of paying tribute to my three generations of tea farming and manufacturing that my grandfather started. It had so many memories associated with my childhood. And it kind of brought a modern twist to what you and I, everybody, what we're going through today, right? I love that in that it, you know, I can imagine sipping on the tea and reminiscing and taking you back to those tea gardens um, and bringing that little bit of stress relief uh, to your day. Absolutely. It's a, (laughs) it's a, the blends that we create is a conscious effort to have you step back and take a pause. And honestly, in the last four years, The last two years have been the pandemic, but for me personally, it's been a marriage. It's been two kids. 
It's being stuck in lockdown in India and delivering a child in a city that honestly I have no clue about, um, finding a new doctor. And all of that, you know, just made me believe more deeply in how important it is for us to give ourselves a break. That is incredible that you and so much I know <laughs> the the last four two to two to four years have been wild for everyone. And so I commend you on that while building your company as well. So we all know that running a business is not fun <laughs> in terms of all the the roller coaster of emotions that it brings you on. And so you must be drinking a lot of your own chai, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, the only chai I drink, to be honest. So one thing that I've been really focused about recently is building a, I call like a profit first business of being able to um, bootstrap or just use smaller amounts of financing to fund yourself. Um, and so talk to me about your journey of bootstrapping your business and the challenges along the way. Absolutely. So I'm going to be really transparent over here because I know as a founder, this was very important to me because I was new in America. I was new in the tea business. I was new in setting up a product business in a new country, correct? And I come from a service background. I was an entrepreneur for like 10 plus years in service, where to be honest, where you break it down, all the money you make is yours to keep, right? Yes. That's the most beautiful thing about service. You charge everything from photocopying, travel, dinners, you charge everything to your client. And it's fantastic. I don't know what bit me that I wanted to get into the product business and that too in a new country. So here I am in New York serving um, samples of Chai Diaries tea to these long queues of people waiting at a cafe being like, oh, you know, doing my market research, right? Because obviously I didn't get an MBA. I couldn't afford $100,000 to go get an MBA. Uh, this is me with a mere $2,000 that I had saved up over five years. And I got a ticket to the US, not knowing how I'm going to survive over here. And um, I had a friend of a friend, like we all do. And I'm just like, please, can I, you know, sleep on the couch? And I promise I'll be out of your way in a month. The usual that you'll hear, either we've started in a garage, which I did with my first company, or we've started in a friend's couch. <laughs> so, so true. So that's how it's, I, I just want to say it out here because a lot of founders, I have experienced a lot later as well. They feel like, oh my God, I need to get that idea and I need to get that investment. And, you know, that's the only way it'll happen. And then there's the other type of founders, which is okay, which are like me, that believe in their idea. They want to try it out first. They want to, it's basically, um, I want to say kind of like physically living out your MBA. You know what I mean? So yeah, definitely understand. Um, we started with the samples, which I actually brought from India. Like I literally like a little bootlegger. I, I carried a bag. <laughs> <laughs> and we sampled it and I wanted honest reviews. And this is another thing, right? Like, People need to, like, I didn't pay thousands of dollars for market research, right? So when you talk about bootstrapping, this is as basic as it gets. Where I was interning at a cafe, I used that as a platform to talk to, you know, direct consumers who, this was basically Midtown Manhattan. And if you know that that's the office area, so everyone who's working and like crazy busy stops by for a quick meal. And they would try, like, these are people from like hedge funds, investment funds, diamond uh, businesses, wherever, fashion and they try out the tea and they would be like, you know, trying to be polite. Oh, it's good. And I'm like, would you put a million dollars in this? Um, no, I would tweak it in this and I would do this. And that's when the truth starts coming out. So it's very true. When you're bootstrapped, trust yourself, trust your friends and families and don't take it personal. 
when somebody well, love that piece of advice where if you ask for their opinion they'll be nice if you ask them to like give you money then that's when the truth exactly. comes out exactly and that's where early on you learn what's going to happen when you start approaching private investors right um for me, I want to tell you one of the biggest learnings was not to take hearing a no personally, because I would get really upset about it. Because I mean, you need to understand, like I'm here with like $2,000 trying to prove a point. And if it failed, I wouldn't have any face, right? And I didn't know what else to do. So um, God was kind. Organically, my business grew. Um, I landed up meeting a really so, so the way um, I believe in the universe a lot, and I feel that we're put on a path and sometimes that path changes. And all of this is reflected in our Chai Diaries brand story. Because the idea is when you take a pause, you really reassess where your life is headed. And it's in that pause that you make a change. And that's what happened for me. So um, I, I met a mentor and uh, he kind of believed in what I was doing. And he has pioneered the tea industry in the US especially in the specialty tea industry. He was based out of California. My first uh, time that I got in touch with him was to sell him the teas that I got from India and he shot me down. But that's why I say the universe works in amazing ways. Three months down the line, I met him at a trade show and um, he fell in love with the product, the idea. And he mentors a lot of people who are new entrants into tea. And uh, unfortunately he's no more. He passed away a few years ago, but he was the reason why I moved to Los Angeles. And um, he gave me um, a way to really bring Chai Diaries to the public. So I would say like, find a mentor. Don't be afraid to ask. There were a lot of people who shot down my idea. He himself shot it down first, but um, you know, like you got to bet on yourself. I think that's what it really comes down to. Um, don't let your ego get in the way. This is also, again, the reason I bring this up is it's at a time where my previous career was super successful. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just listening. You're oh. good. It was super successful. And when I started this product business in a new country, I had to start from scratch. So A, you're not only figuring out your visa situation, you're now dealing with a whole new public, a whole new mindset, and you don't have a budget to do market research, right? Is there anything similar about your service business and doing PR um, that you've been able to transfer over to the product business? Absolutely. I would say my branding and marketing knowledge. So what really stood out for Chai Diaries, and I think what gave us the first success of stores like Bed Bath & Beyond, Whole Foods, Safeway Markets, HEB, taking our product on was the minute they look at our packaging. They were blown away because we decided to go with a black tin. I didn't want to do a paper box because I'm all about that premium lifestyle. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I need to sell that aspiration, that tea, because I mean, I felt I could do it in an authentic manner because I come from three generations of tea and tea is like 5,000 years old. I grew up on a tea estate where I would drink a, a, um, a latte every morning. And that was just being rebellious because I was like, oh no, tea's too vintage. I don't want to be a part of it. So now what I did was I wanted to make chai dairies really modern. I wanted it to appeal to people who are not just in the camp of coffee or tea, but people looking for like a healthy beverage. I'm extremely conscious about not adding artificial flavoring to my teas, not adding any sugars. I just want it to be really clean that you can enjoy hot or iced as an alternative to your day. It's just my, the tea is the tool, right? It's about you practicing that ritual to give yourself the break. That's what we're that. about. And talk to me about 
how you got into your first stores. I mean, it's great that you've been, you're selling HIV and Whole Foods and all these great stores. It was amazing. How did you get into your first retailer? So like I said, with my mentor, I uh, got the chance to uh, participate in trade shows with him. Now, trade shows are a big investment for a small company. Like they're really huge. And um, before I did trade shows, I did do one or two farmer's markets. I did do a lot of product sampling. I actually, uh, the, the best thing that you can do on a small budget is honestly partner with local uh, stores around you. Like I did something with Lululemon on Sundays, they had a yoga class and I would just go and set up my chai bar. I would do that with Equinox. So it's, you can invest in a really expensive marketing agency and burn that money and see a profit after a long time, or you can do it yourself, pick up the phone, make a request. People love it. Go there, save all of that money and start seeing a profit sooner. So I love that because so many people, I, I made this mistake in my very first business. We were selling uh, meal kits years ago. And I thought that I could do everything from behind my computer screen. And it wasn't until I like got out in the world and start sampling and tasting with people that it made a huge difference, especially when you're selling food, right? Like people need to taste and experience or, you know, beverage, they need to drink what you're offering them in order for them to develop that, that relationship with your product. Absolutely. And see, that's why trade shows is such a, because a lot of people go into a trade show thinking like, oh my God, I, and I used to be one of those that I need to find this retail store. I need that one contract just so that I can pay the bill for the trade show. Right. But what we don't realize is that it's actually such a huge asset because you're meeting people from so many different areas. And honestly, you want to sell your product to everyone, you know, in your branding and your marketing plan, you might have a niche, but Hey man, money is money. And you really need to build it, especially in the initial stages of your business, right? Just to just to really like set it up, you know? So the more you hear, the more you get out of your own head. Because also as an entrepreneur, what we land up doing is we believe in our product so deeply. It's literally like a baby, right? Like today, if a stranger told me my baby was ugly, I would probably just punch him, right? So <laughs> it's totally. the same way. The, I mean, I, I love that because, you know, getting out, getting customer feedback and understanding how to make your product better and improve goes a, a long way. Um, so in thinking about this journey that you've been on, how many years are you into the business now? I want to say officially about five years. Okay. And then do you consider your business to be um, like break even or sustainable at this point? We made a profit. Finally. Congratulations. <laughs> So um, what I want to say for that is be open to new ideas. I think that that is something that's really important. Even if you're bootstrapping in your business, you might have really believed in one idea that's going to be the ultimate, what your brand is going to stand for. Be open to hearing what your audience wants. I'm not saying go bend over backward and, you know, I mean, no offense, but I understand there's a matcha craze and, you know, it's like, oh my God, why isn't Chai Diaries selling matcha yet? You know? We did, but you know, that's, everyone's doing it. And I think that's fantastic, but that's not where my focus was, right? I want to sell teas that are more unique, that make you stop, step back. My, my mission is different, right? We did do matcha for a food service, but I guess what I'm trying to say over here is like, I started building out product categories. And I think that's what really made a big difference, right? So if I was only selling retail tins to grocery stores, and saying no to every cafe that approached me, that would make no business sense, right? So you got to adapt. So it's not about following a trend, but you adapt to what 
is a new business opportunity for you. So for me, it became food service. Yeah. Tell me about food service. I'm a huge fan of that. Oh, I love food service. Like I call it the subscription model for small businesses. Like think about it. You're just like sitting every month you get a PO and ching, there's money in your bank. I love it. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So definitely go behind food service. We did take a little bit of a pause over there because of COVID because, you know, supply chains have been a real nightmare to deal with. Um, we did, when we, when we came to, when I started the business in LA, I was producing in LA, but now I've moved everything back to India. Uh, cause I, I, you know, tea's grown in India. So it's more fresh. It's direct from the source. I feel more comfortable, you know, knowing that it's packed over there and then I bring it over. So, um, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> No. Yeah. I was just thinking about like food service and selling to those channels. So when you're selling in food service, is that mostly to cafes or are there other? It was mainly cafes. We were working with a few hotels. We also do private label for other tea brands. So because see now the, the thing with tea is it's a volume based business. So everybody is not able to bring in that kind of volume from overseas because, you know, let's face it, America does not produce tea. So it is definitely coming from overseas, right? And there are a lot of estates. You need to have some kind of knowledge and dealing with India and China especially is not always the easiest. You know, that's what I love about, about you know, your journey. And I tell this to every entrepreneur is like, find your unique properties and your unique life experience that can make things easier, right? Like you came from a generation of uh, family who have grown tea and you know, um, you know, knew at least a little bit about the community and the culture and had people that knew the industry more. So that became one of your superpowers of being able to, um, to efficiently like source high quality product from, um, from India, because that's where your connections were. And that as I'm assuming has like made a huge difference in your business, right? Absolutely. Humongous. Like in terms of getting more credibility, providing an authentic cup of tea, um, educating food, food service outlets like hotels, you know, even grocery chains, you'll be surprised. A lot of these buyers are not really tuned into tea because they are just like a group, you know, then pretty much in the grocery area. Right. And I think what what um, there are two things, honestly, that I really want to give a shout out to is don't be embarrassed to ask questions just because you are a boss does not mean you know it all. And I think one of the best qualities of being a good leader and a boss is being humble about it and accepting it when you don't know something. I have asked really silly questions to, you know, my grocery buyers. Like I didn't know what TPRs meant or what, you know, I mean, there's only so much Google will tell you. And I think it like builds more of a conversation and it does, um, you know what, Jordan, actually, I should bring this up because uh, we're talking about bootstrapping and getting into a grocery is really expensive, right? Like uh, the shelf fees and this and that and everything. But when you start this conversation, your buyer is in your corner. There's a lot of things that they can assist you with. There are a lot of ideas that they give you, you know, and that only happens when you put yourself in that vulnerable position of being okay to not know everything, of being okay to say, hey, I'm broke. I want to put this product out there because I know it's going to be amazing. And, you know, how can you help me? And I mean, I think the other thing about that too is it really, you build a relationship with the buyer, as you mentioned, and it almost makes them feel like an expert, like, oh, I do know a lot of this stuff. Let me help out how I can, because this is my everyday. And when people 
feel like you are open to their help and follow through with their advice, then they'll do a lot more for you for free um, to really build that relationship because then um, you have kind of established that trust. And that's what I keep saying, you know, Jordan, in today's generation, like at least my generation, uh, what I feel is that it's, we're not in, in, in the business just to make money. We're here to build a community. That's what I believe in. It's no more where I need to jump on your back to get, you know, higher. It's about how can we do this together? Like, it's, it's really not even about like, let me scratch your back and you scratch mine types. It's literally like, hey, let's build this and let's do something better. And I think that's just such a beautiful thought. And I see so many new entrepreneurs doing this. And it's just like, a, it's a mental shift, right? And it, it's just making business so much better. That, that's honestly what I feel. So many, I think like, you know, the business practices of, you know, 10, 20 years ago was very much like cutthroat competition. If I have something, it means you don't have something, but you're right. Today's entrepreneurs, and I'm a big fan of this as well, collaborate. Like I collaborate with people who some might consider my competition because we're all better off together and there's enough opportunity for everyone, right? Like you look, there's what thousands of grocery stores, even more like different chains across the country. There's not just one grocery store that serves everyone. Um, And it's the same with, you know, with every product in the store. There's a reason there's like 20,000 products in the store because people have their own preferences. And so you're better off working together to grow the entire pie than to compete over something that you're not really competing over. Absolutely. There is space for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for being on today and best of luck. We'll check in later this year to see how things are going, but really appreciate it talking with you. I appreciate that so much, Jordan. You have a great time.